Uh, well, uh, thanks so much, Raymond, for having me on the show today. You're absolutely right. That casualization is a scourge, and it's absolutely endemic in the university sector at the moment. A recent report by Universities Australia uh, found that uh, our university, the University of Melbourne, was amongst uh, the most casualised of any campus uh, in Australia. Over 72% of staff uh, at Melbourne and Monash uh, are, are on insecure and casual contracts. Um, and both workers and students suffer as a result of this. It really is toxic and it ruins lives. Uh, we don't receive holiday or sick leave. We're unpaid in between semesters. The uncertainty of not knowing whether you, you, you even got work next semester makes it extremely difficult uh, for people to plan their lives um, and people are finding it difficult to make ends meet uh, over the holidays. We have people here at Melbourne Uni foregoing doctor's appointments in order to make ends meet. Um, we've also got people uh, reportedly skipping meals to cover rent. Some have worked for up to 10 years on fixed-term contracts, hopping between uh, different, different precarious um, uh, bits of work. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning that this um, regime of casualisation is also highly gendered. Women account for almost 60% of casual and fixed-term workers. Um, and this is, of course, to, to the detriment of the overall quality of education in treating casual staff as disposable. So the university uh, uh, haven't given us uh, adequate space to, to even meet students. And many casual academics um, and subject coordinators have had to carry out student consults in, in cars, in cafes, even in, in corridors. Um, we also uh, aren't paid an, an hourly rate for marking in, in our school, in the School of Historical and Philosophical Studies. Um, we're, we're really only allocated one hour per student across the entire semester, uh, which means that we're only paid to spend uh, 10 to 15 minutes marking students' um, essays. That includes reading, providing feedback, and, and giving uh, follow-up questions, uh, when in reality, it takes upwards of uh, an hour to mark students' papers. Um, but the other thing is these marking piece rates um, aren't only, um, well, they're, they're both illegal, but they also contravene the university's um, own EBA. And so, um, and so the, 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 the NTEU branch at, at Melbourne Uni have really um, taken this up um, at, at the centre of our campaign. Um, finally, I'd, I'd also like to mention that um, the other um, endemic problem with, with casualisation in universities is simply outright uh, wage theft. Wage theft doesn't just happen in George Columbaris uh, restaurants, it happens on university campuses. Um, and one form that this takes uh, is unpaid lecture attendance. Lectures are, of course, uh, a, a vital pedagogical tool, um, and tutors are expected to, to attend lectures um, on, a, on an unpaid basis uh, at Melbourne Uni. Um, but they are a form of work, and all hours, I think, what we're defending is the principle that all hours uh, work should be paid. Certainly, and we'll talk uh, in, in a moment about some of the, the actions that the NTU and, and supporters have taken recently. But I, I guess, Jimmy, like so many of the, I guess, the so-called sandstone or group of eight universities, the University of Melbourne is a multi-billion dollar institution with managers on uh, large really, you know, six-figure salaries. Now, these managers, uh, you know, not just in Melbourne but elsewhere, often cry poor in terms of a lack of government funding. But is casualisation and indeed what you're talking about, their outright wage theft, part and parcel of a university model which is really putting profit first and education and workers' rights a very distant second? Look, absolutely, Ray. Um, it is part of a 
neoliberal university model that treats education as a commodity and as a business. Um, we're in a situation now where teaching conditions are on the decline, class sizes are getting bigger, um, while at the same time uh, the university's bosses are getting richer. Um, our university's vice-chancellor, or former vice-chancellor, Glenn Davis, took home a salary of $1.59 million uh, last year. Um, and yet the university cries poor and claims uh, it can't provide decent conditions for, for its own teaching staff. Now, um, the university, you might have heard about this um, in, in Perth. I'm, I'm sure it was covered across the country, but, um, but the university uh, recently sponsored the, the IMARC conference. This was the International Mining Expo uh, that, um, that, was a, that drew um, a, a week of protests last week. Um, and I think this really shows where its, uh, where its priorities lie. It clearly has enough money at the moment uh, to, to, to be supporting uh, mining companies um, contributing to, to climate change, uh, but it, it claims it doesn't have enough money to, um, to support its own staff. Um, the other point to make here is uh, it's very important that we pin the blame on, um, on casualization itself and not at racialized scapegoats. There's, we've heard a lot of uh, hoo-ha recently um, about international students supposedly um, dragging down the quality of education uh, uh, through their English language skills. Um, but I th about several of the speakers at uh, the demonstration we had on campus uh, the other day, I think, um, highlighted that um, uh, that the real problem at the moment is, is really the, the corporate university itself. Um, none of the things that I've mentioned uh, uh, can be attributed to to international students, um, and we absolutely need to stand with international students um, against the, the corporatization of our university. Now, Jimmy, can you tell us more about that action that you mentioned that took place at the University of Melbourne on Friday? I understand an attempt was made by casual lecturers and supporters mm -hmm. to, as it were, meet with the Dean of the Arts Faculty mm -hmm. and discuss a few issues. What ended up happening exactly at that action? <laughs> Okay, well, um, we had uh, a rally against wage theft. Uh, this was a snap rally. It was called after several months of unsuccessful negotiations with university management over the issues of paid lecture attendance um, and also fair marking pay. Uh, we also raised uh, the demand for uh, the university to, to guarantee a pathway to conversion for casual staff to, to permanency. Uh, so over 100 people showed up. It was a decent turnout. Um, most of these people were casual, but we also got some support from permanent staff members and also students. Now, given this was SWAT back, um, this was a pretty impressive turnout. Um, the, the campus was, for, for the most part, dead, uh, but despite that, we, uh, we had quite a, a lively demonstration. Um, we had prepared a, a petition to present to the dean um, with over 270 signatures, but the dean didn't show. Uh, so we decided to pay him a visit instead by marching uh, directly to his office. Um, and, um, and when we got there, we discovered that the dean was ostensibly in a meeting um, and he uh, continued to refuse to meet us. So we more or less decided um, on the spot there to take a vote. Um, and we decided to occupy the office. We stayed there for three hours. Um, and we covered the entrances of, of the office with boss crime scene tape. Um, uh, so this wasn't, you know, this wasn't particularly planned to coincide with Halloween or anything. It was, um, this was purely coincidental. But I think um, in many ways we did bring, the, so to speak, the, the revenge of precarious labor to, um, to university management. Uh, so eventually we did leave with our heads um, held up high 
Um, and this Friday we'll be back in larger numbers for for a further rally um, at the same time and place uh, with the same petition until the um, un- until the dean actually does agree to to meet us. Um, and some tutors might even be taking uh, their markings with them to um, to to do in, uh, in the dean's office. Brilliant. Now, finally, uh, Jimmy, uh, how do you view this action on Friday in a broader context? As we've discussed, of course, the conditions at Melbourne University uh, are not isolated, and this is certainly can be considered an endemic problem uh, across uh, universities in Australia, and of course across other industries in Australia. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you view it in this broader context? And can we expect to see, as you mentioned, there more such actions, uh, not just in the Melbourne University, but uh, across the country in the near future? Um, look, I think the main lesson to draw from this is uh, not to be complacent about casualisation or think into a form of fatalism that, that assumes uh, casualisation is inevitable and we can't do anything about it. Um, a recent report from a, um, uh, a peak academic body, I won't name it, um, came out that claimed casualisation is uh, inevitable. Uh, but this report came out on exactly the same day as our occupation of the Dean's office. And I think what we've shown at Melbourne Uni is that it is possible not only to begin pushing back against casualisation, but also uh, to begin to win. Uh, we recently did have a small victory around uh, the, the issue of um, working with children's checks. The university tried to force casuals to cough up $124 to pay for their own working with children's checks. But um, eventually, they were forced as a result of um, an NTU campaign to reinforce, uh, sorry, to reimburse um, casuals of this money. Uh, that amounts to a total of $500,000 across the board. So this is a, certainly not a small victory. It's quite, um, this is quite a significant win for the union that really does, in many ways, buck, buck the trend of, um, of casualisation. Um, now, the university uses casualisation to claim costs, but there's nothing... Um, inherent about um, uh, about the situation, casualisation doesn't necessarily need to be cheaper for the university, and we can begin to push back by making casualisation unworkable for university management by simply making it more expensive to hire casuals. Um, we're used to hearing the narrative that casuals can never organise, but I think in many ways we're beginning to puncture this myth. Um, and our campaign was very much one of rank and file unionism. These rallies have been entirely driven from below um, at the workplace level. Um, it's been spearheaded mainly by, uh, by rank-and-file activists in, um, in culture and communications, but also in the history departments themselves. Um, and as a consequence of this campaign, uh, the NTU um, have reported that, that the Melbourne Uni branch is now the, the fastest-growing union branch in the country, with casuals being uh, the most active layer of the union. So when people see that the union can deliver gains, they join the union. Um, Hopefully, casuals at other universities um, and, and in white-collar sectors more broadly um, also begin to organise. I know that there have been uh, similar efforts to, to set up a casuals network at, at Sydney Uni, uh, but it is also worth mentioning that, uh, that this, quest- this issue of casualisation is, um, is a global question. Um, permanent secure jobs will need to be part of any just transition to, to a zero-carbon economy in the age of climate change. Um, and yesterday we heard that the, the UCU in Britain voted for a further round of, um, of strike action, uh, partly over casualisation, but also over pay and pensions. So I think we can certainly afford to learn from their example and their militancy. Uh, the precariat can fight back 